everybody sharing together and um, greeting each other and giving each other hugs. And uh, if you're a visitor with us today and a hug makes you feel like, whoa, they're a little too friendly, uh, that's what you've come into today. Uh, welcome to New Hope. And uh, we have heard that feedback on occasion. Um, this is my first time and I don't know you and I get that. Um, but welcome to New Hope. It is good to have you here today. I am Scott uh, Siddig. I am the lead pastor here and uh, just good to have you with us today. We're um, flipping up the, the order of worship a little bit today, so those of you that are regular attenders, you're going to notice we're doing things a little out of order today, uh, out of order in the sense of doing them differently, but there's no real out of order. We can do it whatever way we want, right? So we're worshiping the Lord in a little different way today, um, just by mixing it up. And uh, to do that, I have invited a couple of uh, young people to come up here, so would you come up if I have asked you to read a scripture for us today. Would you come forward right now? Stand right up here. Let me pull this mic out in front of you guys. So go ahead and open up. Now, we are studying, we are working through a sermon series called Back to Basics. And our Back to Basics sermon series takes the... uh, uh, we're looking at the attributes of God. And today we're going to be looking at the attribute of God's goodness. Uh, so in case you hadn't uh, sung that already, in case you hadn't been aware that this is kind of where we're heading today, uh, sometimes we sing of God's goodness just in general. Today I want to uh, talk a little bit more about it. We're going to do that. We're going to break it up a little bit. And I've asked for these guys to help me this morning. Uh, I'd like to take a few minutes and teach you a little bit about what it means that God is good. If I said to you, God is good, what would you say? And if I said, all the time... Right, so that is a common refrain, isn't it? God is good all the time. Now, if somebody walked up to you on the street and they said, you call that guy up in the sky good, why? Why is that guy good? Because look at all the stuff going on all around us. Look at the world that I... You want to know my story? You want to know where things are at in my life? How can you tell me to call him good? Anybody ever had that kind of a conversation? Anybody kind of wrestled with a little bit of why is God good if all of this stuff is going on all in the world? Well, for a few minutes, we're just going to talk briefly about why God is good and then Later in the service, we're going to come back and we're going to talk a little bit more about how we can process when things don't necessarily line up. So these guys are going to read a couple of scriptures for you. Who has Psalm 34, 8? All right, Gilbert, first of all, tell me, what is it that you're holding in your hand? Say it again. A Bible. It's a Bible. Now, if I asked you, what is your favorite food? What's your favorite food? Fried chicken. Fried chicken. Now, if I said that I could get you something that tastes better than fried chicken, would you believe me? Hmm? No. No, you wouldn't believe me, would you? What if I told you that this right here is better than the best food you can eat? What would you say? Yes. You would say yes because that's the Jesus answer. Right? I get it, right? But this word right here, this word is better than any food you can eat. And Jesus told us that we should be feasting on his word, didn't he? Somewhere in that word he said that. So, what I want you to read for me to right now is Psalm 34.8. Read it as loud as you can. 
Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Great. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Thank you. That is a fantastic... Let's give him a round of applause. You can go sit down. Who has Psalm 107.1? Gavin, what are you holding in your hands? The Bible. Do you think the Bible is worthy of your time and effort? Absolutely. This is the real deal here, isn't it? All right, why don't you read Psalm 107.1 for us? Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. All right. Amen. Let's give it up for Gavin. Cool. You go have a seat. All right, the next one is 119.68. Who has that one? I think that's you over here, right, Eric? All right, wait, 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 wait. What do you got? What's this in your hand? A Bible. You've been memorizing some scripture lately, haven't you? You're part of our Bible quiz team now? What books are you studying right now? Luke and Jonas. Luke and Jonah, that's right. So are you getting something out of that? Has it been good? Yeah. yeah. All right, so head up a little bit. Say yes to this group right here. You enjoying yourself? Yeah. Yeah, all right. This is Eric, by the way. All right, let's read Psalm 119.68. You are good and what you do is good. All right. Well, you are good, and what you do is good. What does it say right there? Teach, Teach me your de- decrees. 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 Teach me your decrees. Good. Let's give it up for Eric. You are good. Now, Ruthie, what are you holding in your hand? A Bible. A Bible. Do you like reading the Bible? It's a good thing to read, isn't it? Yeah. Do you read it a lot? That's yeah. good for you. Now, what psalm do you have for us to read today? Psalm 145.9. 145.9. Go ahead and read it for us. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All right. Amen. Let's give it up for Ruthie. You better have a seat. There are many, many scriptures. Now, kids, you are going to be studying a little bit about God's goodness today. You're going to be looking at the story of Daniel. And Chrissy, Miss Waldo, Mrs. Waldo, has your... Uh, planned activities going on just right now. So kids, you are free to go down and learn a little bit more about God's goodness through the story of Daniel. Any kids want to go down there? The Bible is full of verses that declare God's goodness. Now one of the interesting ones, now you just heard several that declare God's goodness from the psalmists. Um, many different writers wrote those, story, those verses. There's one verse in the New Testament that is rather interesting. And it comes from Luke chapter 18 and verse 19. In Luke 18, starting with verse 19, uh, 18 and then moving on, there's a story about a ruler who is very interested in figuring out how to gain eternal life. And so he comes to Jesus... And he comes to him and it says a certain ruler came to him and he says, Good teacher, how must I, what must I do to gain eternal life? Right? That's, the, that's how the story starts. And it goes on and talks a little bit and Jesus talks about that. But Jesus uses that moment as an object lesson. Because if you were to understand the original word there, good teacher, Jesus knew something was going on in the way he was approached. It was kind of like, this ruler was coming to Jesus, kind of trying to butter him up a little bit. Hey, Jesus, you are this good teacher. But Jesus, in that moment, knowing the language and knowing what was going on in that guy's heart, says, hold up, before we even move on, let me just correct one thing. Who is really good? 
Basically, he stops him in his tracks and he says, before we go on, before I even answer your question, I want you to know that there is no one who is really good. Because the meaning of that particular word good there, the way it was used, was intrinsically, by nature, good. It doesn't just mean that, oh, you're a good guy, you do some good things for people, and I've seen you healing people, and and you're generally somebody that I really like. No, this particular word said, you, by your very nature, are good. And Jesus said, no. Now that's kind of interesting, right? Because we know Jesus was one of the tri, the, the Trinity. The, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was God. We've declared that throughout. But later on, you would hear an echo of what Jesus said when Paul says in Philippians that even Jesus did not consider Himself to be equal with God. He did not consider equality with God something to be attained or to be grasped. Jesus humbled Himself. Jesus humbled himself and he said that there is no one good but God. Good by their very nature. So Jesus declares that our standard of goodness comes from God and God alone. Now it's easy for us to look around in the world around us and try to make good become relative. It's good if my circumstances are good, then God must be good and I even saw some things on Facebook posted around that Supreme Court thing that was going on and, and it was like these declarations were being made that if I won, God was good. God's still on the throne. But if I didn't win, like God, somehow God let us down. Really? I mean, God doesn't change. We use the, the formal word is He's immutable. He never changes. He is good in the good. He's good in the bad. When someone comes along and says, how can God be good right now, we need to be able to say more than just, well, the Bible tells me so. God is good. There's got to be something more to it. Why is God good? Well, He's good because He's good. It's His nature. There's nothing more that can be added to or taken away from Him. But let me just walk you through a few other Scriptures here this morning. 1 John 1.5, if you were to read that, it would say that in Him there is no darkness. God is good because He is only light. There is no darkness in God. 1 John 4 and uh, the verses 8 and 16 declares that God is love. He is good because He is love. He is good because He is light. Joseph would declare, if you went back to the Old Testament, the very first book of the Bible in Genesis chapter 50, Joseph would declare that all that bad stuff that his brothers did to him and sending him into Egypt and all that kind of stuff, Joseph would say, none of that happened for bad because God actually meant it for good. You would hear an echo of that in Romans, uh, in the 8th chapter, verse 28, when Paul is sent writing this Roman uh, letter to the Romans where he says, all things work together for good for those that love him and are called according to his purpose. He's good because he works things out for good, Exodus 33 and 19, you would hear uh, God talking to Moses. Moses wants to see God. And God says, you know what? Go hide in that little rock over there. Hide over there because you would die if you saw everything about me that was good. I'm going to have my goodness, it says, and in some translations, my glory. And you can see that His glory is good. I'm going to have that pass by in front of you, but I'm going to kind of cover you, because if you saw it, you'd die. 
Because I am good. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says that He is a rewarder of those who love Him. Who have faith in Him. By faith it is impossible to please God because anyone that comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. He is a rewarder. He's good because of that. James 1.17 would say this, Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Every good and perfect gift. He is good because He's a giver. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. God is good because He sent His one and only Son for you and for me. Psalm 31.19 would say that He stores up good things for those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose, who give their incline their hearts to Him. Psalm 84 and 11 says He does not withhold good things from the pure in heart from those who dedicate their lives to Him. And then in Romans 12.2, it says that His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. His will is good, pleasing, and perfect. We could spend lots and lots of time. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and they're going to continue leading us in some singing this morning. But I wanted to lay that foundation for you this morning with the help of these young people declaring that not only is this helpful in us understanding who God is, but as we dig deeper, we can see His attributes and the way that He relates to us, the way He works with the world. We can see all of these things work together to paint a picture of the standard of goodness. God is good because of who He is. Not because of what you experience. Not because of something going wrong or right in your life. Not because of anything. God is good. And as we continue singing this morning, as we continue worshiping this morning, I want our hearts to be inclined to this idea that God is good. Intrinsically. By His nature. Amen? Heavenly Father, I pray that You would just continue to open up our hearts, to reveal Your truth. As we study through this series, Lord, as we unpack some of these attributes that define who You are, I pray that our trust will continue to grow. I pray that our ability to comprehend even just a a small bit of how we relate to You because of Your goodness, Your wisdom, and the other attributes that we will unpack, Lord, I pray that we will continue to open up and understand more and more as we work through this together. I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Me uh, to Psalm 73. You're welcome to do that. Uh, whatever way works for you, electronically or with the ink on a page. Psalm 73. God is good. And I know, you're you're tempted. Go ahead. God is good. And all the time, that is what we're talking about today, is God's goodness. But sometimes, we struggle. Sometimes, our eyes turn elsewhere. And sometimes, God's goodness fades behind the shadows of the rest of our life and the things that we're struggling with. 
This particular psalm, Psalm 73, is a psalm of Asaph. Now, we're not sure he could have written down the words of David, or these could be his very own. There's about 12 of these in the Old Testament, Psalm 50, and then Psalm 73 through 83, that are attributed to his name. It could be the group that he belonged to, it could be his own writing, it could be David transcribing uh, the transcribed words of David. But think of him this morning as a real person. Think of him as somebody who could be sitting right next to you today. Think of him as your son or your daughter or your mom or your dad or your uncle or your aunt. Think of this psalm as somebody who is writing from a real perspective. And he starts out by this, Truly God is good to Israel, to those whose hearts are pure. And this is the kind of goodness that we talked about in the New Testament just a few minutes ago. It's not exactly the same. The word doesn't mean exactly the same thing. It's more of a God is pleasing to us. He is uh, benevolent to us. He is kind to us. He offers us good things. He is good to Israel. He's good to us. But there's a deeper piece to that, right? The, the, the writer would have known kind of some of the things that Jesus was talking about. Like, there is only one person, one being that is really, really good, and that is God. So there's something wrapped up in it there. But let's move on. Truly, God is good to Israel. But as for me, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping, and I was almost gone. Anybody feel like that today? My feet are just slipping out from underneath me. Stuff comes at me right and left. My circumstances, my trials, my my joy is gone and I am about to go under. Why in this particular case? For I envied the proud when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. So often in our lives, we begin to take the focus off of God and we begin to look out into the world and we begin to define goodness as the world defines goodness. What will my life be like if I could be this or that or reach this or that or have this job or that job or get this grade or that grade or if I could just have a certain amount of money or prestige or status. or And when our eyes shift off of who God is, to out in the world, we lose our footing. I was almost gone, the psalmist said. This person lost their focus. And then they go on in these next few verses from 4 to 12 to kind of explain what they were looking at, what they were seeing. And you could look in your own world today and you could see some of the very same things because it's bombarded all around us. We see it on the television. We read it in different magazines. We see it on the internet. We hear about all of the stories of all the things that people are doing and attaining. And if we're in school, sometimes we see our friends. They don't go to church and they come to school every day and they're swearing their heads off and they're living lives and they're partying and they're doing all this stuff and they seem to be prospering. And we look at them and we say, why do I go to church? Why am I here on a Sunday morning? Why do I get up out of bed every Sunday and come to this place when those guys are doing all right? 
They don't seem like they're really struggling. And it's not just the young people, right? We as adults still kind of wrestle. Why am I getting out of bed this morning? Why am I doing what I'm doing to be here right now? The psalmist says they seem to live such painless lives. Their bodies are so healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like other people. They're not plagued with problems like everyone else. How many times do you feel like you're sitting in the church and it looks like the church is full of problems? Like my own story. Like if I could just be like, let me just let go of all this stuff and the way we're supposed to live. Let me just get out there and do it that way. Because I'm tired. I'm burnt out and stressed. It says they wear pride like a jeweled necklace. How many rappers out there have the big chains dangling around themselves and they're singing and they're going crazy and they're just pridefully flaunting themselves and all their story and their money and their women and their... You name it, right? That's the story. And you look out and you're like, that looks, that looks tempting, it looks good to me. They wear pride like a jeweled necklace and they clothe themselves with cruelty. Listen to the words of the songs that are sung today. Listen to the misogyny and all of the sexuality that goes in and the the degrading of women. All that stuff that goes in. And we look at that and we sing it and we recite it and we over and over and over and over again. And it's it looks like something that we want. These fat cats have everything their hearts could ever wish for. They scoff and they speak only evil. In their pride, they seek to crush others. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. Think about that. The music that goes around the globe on the airwaves, turn on the radio and just circling in the airwaves. They boast against the very heavens. There's so many artists out there, so many Hollywood folks and others who just scoff at heaven and I was watching an interview with Bill Maher. Anybody know Bill Maher? Like, he's a, a talk show host and that sort of thing. And you want to hear somebody scoff against Christianity, scoff against what we believe is the truth of the Word. Just go listen to Bill Maher. It'll make you sick. You might get about two minutes in and have to turn it off. But he seems to be doing all right. He's got a popular talk show host, and, you know, he's got lots of dollars, and he's pretty well known. and... That's what Asaph is looking at, people that are just like that. They boast against the very heavens and their words strut throughout the earth. And and so the people are dismayed and confused. You and I, we look at ourselves and we're like, God, what's going on? Why can't I be, why am I struggling so much? Where's that job you promised me, that promotion that I'm going to get? What's going on? We think all those words mean something. What does God know? They ask. Does the Most High even know what's happening? Really? Like we get so focused on what the world is out there doing and saying and believing it. And we're like, where is God? Look at these wicked people. Enjoying a life of ease while their riches multiply. Asaph could have been looking at the world that we live in today. 
And he's looking at the world that he lives in. And he's telling God about it. He's like, I don't get you, God. I don't understand you, God. Because look at everybody else. But you know what? I'm trying. I'm trying to do what is right. And it just doesn't make any sense. I know you're good to Israel. But what's going on in my own story doesn't line up with your goodness. And he asked these questions. Did I keep my heart pure for nothing? Did I keep myself innocent for no reason? I get nothing but trouble all day long. Every morning brings me pain. Wah, 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 wah. You can hear him, right? You can hear. Maybe you hear yourself, right? I mean, in the morning prayer or in an evening prayer where we just kind of start complaining and looking around and we're like, God, woe is me. It happens. It happens to me a lot. I'm not pointing any fingers here. Please, no. I'm guilty of this same perspective. And the psalmist says, if I had really spoken this way to others, I would have been a traitor to your people. In other words, I'm trying to hold this in, God, but I, I just, I'm gonna, I'm about to burst. I'm about to flow over here, and you know what? I, I'm, I don't get it. And I'm building up, and I'm about to blow my top. So, I tried to understand why the wicked prosper. But what a difficult task that is. That's what he says. But what a difficult task it is. What? I don't get it, God. They're doing all right. I'm struggling, and it makes no sense whatsoever. And the more I try to figure it out, the more it ain't happening. Hmm. Here's the hinge. Here's the verse that changes everything. Then, I went into your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. My eyes were on you. I started to get unfocused because I was looking at the world. And the only way back was to come back to you. I had to get my focus back on you. So I went into your sanctuary, O God. And I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. Truly, you put them on a slippery path and send them sliding over the cliff to destruction. As much as we focus on all the good things that are happening to those that are flaunting themselves out there, just look at all the train wrecks that have happened because of it. And we could recount just as many train wrecks as we could celebrations of what's happening in life today. In an instant, they are destroyed, completely swept away by terrors. When you arise, O Lord, you will laugh at their silly ideas as a person laughs at dreams in the morning. Kind of makes God out to be a little masochistic, doesn't it? You're going to laugh at them. What's he saying? What's he saying? is It's not going to work out good for them. And you know better kind of makes me think of a 
of a parent who's got a toddler who just thinks they know how it's supposed to go, right? And they've got this strong little will and they're going to do it their way. And you kind of stand back sometimes when it's safe, right? When it's, you're just kind of like, okay, try it. And you're just kind of inside, you're sort of smirking to yourself, you're smiling, you're like, whatever, you, you go ahead, right? And, and then it doesn't go well for them, right? And they might even get a little hurt, right? And their, their pride gets hurt more than anything, and you hear that cry that's different than pain. It's more of a, oh, you know, like it happens to them, and you're just kind of whining cry. Like, you, parents know the difference, right? You've been around some kids, you know the difference. It's kind of what made me think of with God, like he's laughing, like more of a, I know what's best for you. I know the plans I have for you, I, and that's for the people of Israel, but, but I know you. I made you. I knit you together in your mother's womb. Don't you trust me? Don't you know that I'm good? Don't you know that I have your best interest at heart? I'm good. There is nothing else better Then I realized, he goes on to say, that my heart was bitter. And I was all torn up inside. Ever been there? Are you there today? Just bitter, just churning. Who are you, God? Why is this happening? Why is it happening to me? Why not them? Why is my life this way? I'm just bitter. The psalmist says, I was so foolish and arrogant. I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. We have this new little kitten that we brought in this week. It's a little kitten that was meowing at our back door. It was lost, stray, probably feral. And it uh, took two days to lure that cat in. And, and all credit to my boys and my wife, like I had nothing to do with it. They got him. They brought him in. And uh, thank goodness because it snowed that night. This little thing is super cute. If you want to see a cute kitten, look at our Facebook page. But crazy thing is senseless. Like you just chase, you know, you play with it, and it's just chasing this little thing around and running around. And to this morning, he jumped up on my leg, like with ouch, like with his claws, right? Like senseless, but cute. <laughs> I must have seemed like a senseless animal to you. But hear this, hear this from God this morning. Yet I still belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My health may fail. My spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. When our focus comes back from the world and back on God, all the bitterness can begin to work itself out because we put it in light of who God is. The fact that He loves us, that He's holding us, that all this stuff we think is going to be for our good really isn't for our good because that's all heading to destruction. 
And it may not happen tomorrow, it may not happen next week, but it's going to end poorly for those that don't give their hearts and their lives to Jesus Christ. To surrender to His love and His grace, to His upholding strength. It will not go well in the end. It says here, those who desert Him will perish. For you destroy those who abandon you. Many of us have given our hearts and our lives to Christ. Many of us have been walking the journey for years. Keep it up. With perseverance. Because it's not easy. Don't give up. Because how good it is to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter. And I will tell everyone about the wonderful things that you do. When our hearts let go of the anger and the bitterness and the the jealousy and the looking around and thinking that other people got it when I don't. When we let go of all of that and we draw near to God, when He ministers to our hearts, when He transforms us from the inside out, we begin to see the world differently. And we begin to see it through eyes of compassion and love and grace. And we want to reach out and touch more people. And we want their hearts to be transformed in that journey and process with us. That's the goodness of God. When it transforms us from the inside out. And we begin to share that and spread that love to the people around us. God is good. And all the time, let's keep our eyes and our hearts focused on Him this morning. Be near to God. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back forward. We're going to take a few minutes and just give you a chance to reflect this morning. We like to take time in our services. And I hope you'll indulge me. We started a little late, so we might go a little longer this morning. We're not going too much longer. But I want to just take, I don't want to dismiss this time for the sake of time. Because I think it's important that you have a chance to listen. What is God saying to you this morning? About His goodness? About His nearness? About His love? About His grace? I want you to reflect on that this morning and write it down, journal about it, put it on a card and put it in one of the baskets up here. Maybe it generates a sense of thanksgiving and generosity in your heart. Thank you, God. Thank you for reminding me this morning. And, and maybe you, you say that as you give your tithe or your offering this morning and you just it all rolls up into this overwhelming generosity and thanksgiving. Whatever it is, the baskets, the altar, the time is yours for the next couple of minutes. Use it to connect with God.